Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is doing some amazing work in the entrepreneurial space. Tamara Andress is a faith-based entrepreneurial coach with a heart for illuminating purpose and light within others by first seeking alignment in mind, body, and spirit. She's a blessed wife and mama of two little ones, a certified ordained minister, a podcaster, and she loves spreading the love of the light of our father. You can find her podcast, Fit and Faith, on all major streaming platforms. And she's just all around an amazing person. I'm super thrilled to have her on the show today. Y'all help me welcome Miss Tamara Andress. Thank you so much Yay. for joining me. Thank you so much. I, I can't share if I'm a strip clap or snap. <laughs> exactly. Do a little dance over here. Yes. Be careful of the mic. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. And just to mention that Trevor was also on the Fit and Faith podcast just a couple weeks ago. So we will have to uh, get that link back because it was yes. an incredible conversation. And I think it's always cool to have the uh, interviewer and the interviewee seat for a bit. So I'm yes. pleased to be in that spot today. Yeah. And it's so funny because uh, like I said before, you set me up for failure. You put me right <laughs> after Dave Hollis and I'm just sitting here like, I mean, dope, or maybe wow. he was listening to your podcast right afterward. Cause he's like, what else is there to come? Oh, I yeah. think it's more of a representation of the strong men and opportunity. Let's look at it. Let's flip the script, right? Oh that's yes. A, that's a part of See, mental health in and is... of itself. <laughs> this is exactly why you're a good coach. You're like, let's look at it a different way and model it after that. So yes, yes. already, like you're coaching me right now, but <laughs> receive, receive Trevor. Right. So you've been doing the podcast for quite a while. And I really want to talk about that, like coming right out of the gates. What prompted you to start this show? Yeah, you know what? I had a prompting, honestly, from the Holy Spirit about writing a book. And it was called the same exact thing, Fit and Faith. And I went out on a writing retreat for an entire week and just had an incredible download of writing almost three quarters of the book that still is in my hand in editing phase. So we'll talk about that part later. Um, but when that happened, so many people were curious and asking me questions about the transformation that my life had taken over, um, taken on, if you will, and also what that meant to me. And it really was about this concept of mind, body, and soul and spirit alignment and living out of a state of vertical alignment versus a horizontal grasping, which I feel like I did for a majority of my life. And um, fitness was always a huge part of my life, which is where that part of it comes into play, but it doesn't have to do with just fitness. Um, it's really about the exercising of mental health, the exercising of our spiritual health and realizing that all of that comes into play with our faith. Uh, and, and it's different for everyone, which is why I love it so much. And it speaks to people in different ways. So the podcast was a way for me to, uh, I guess, evaluate on a more consistent basis, how other people are experiencing that in their own life and what their health factors are and where they're at in their alignment, because every season you have different alignment zones, if you will. Uh, and so I wanted to just create a space of all the people that had kind of infused me during the season and during the process of, of growing and evolving and still becoming, as I always say, I think we're always still becoming we're, we haven't gotten to any finish line unless I'm dead and in heaven. 
And so I'm, I'm learning, I'm, I'm evolving, I'm becoming something more. And so sharing and showcasing other people's stories, it just makes us all more relatable. It makes us all more connected and ultimately community is what we're here for. And so I love to just be a light for other people to share their own um, stories and, and, that relatability is what we need. And honestly, from a mental health perspective, without it, I feel like we still just stay isolated. Yeah. And for you to say that, it's like, that's kind of what I'm doing here. I want people to come share their stories. There's always a different guest. Um, Very rarely will we have people come back for like a part two, unless it's months down the line. But like, this is all about showcasing stories. And in this episode, showcasing you and what you're doing. And for you to have been in the position you're in, being an entrepreneur, being someone that really chases Jesus and even goes after your faith in such an amazing and vulnerable way, have you struggled with mental health in your journey to get you to this place? I have. I absolutely have. And I think that's the why behind so much of what I do, um, creating that open storyline for people to realize that perfectionism is a lie. Um, success really, I think is a lie because that's a different variable factor for the American dream, which is what I had bought into mm-hmm. and, uh, what, what that means through the lens of the Lord. And so not only have I struggled with thoughts of suicide, uh, depression, uh, anxiety, so sad, so much that I was like literally bedridden in the middle of the night, like convulsing where my husband had to like hold me during this time. And so, and I had two little ones. And I think that being a part of my storyline makes it all the more wild because this often happens in a state of isolation. And yet I was surrounded by people who love me. Um, yet I, I couldn't, didn't really look in the mirror to love myself, which I think is why uh, it felt so isolating and, and I was having all of these issues. Yeah. And like we talked about in your episode, like you hit it right, the nail right on the head with that. It's when I struggle with depression or insecurity, it's like, it's, I know they're not my thoughts, but they're almost using the same voice as your encouraging thoughts. And sometimes mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit uh, prompting like, you can differentiate the two, but there's always that insecurity in your mind that's like, oh, you're not good enough to do this. You're not positive enough to do this. You're not going to make an impact, blah, 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 blah. And it just keeps going and going. So how have you found that fitness and mental health can work hand in hand? Yeah. So I think a variable factor that's important for people to pick up on as well is I accepted the Lord into my heart when I was really young, I was 14, but I walked my own line, right? And I did my own thing and totally prodigal, right? Straight and said, like, I've got this for a very long time on into my marriage, on into motherhood. So those experiences that I was sharing with you happened in the midst of motherhood after having two small kids, also running two different businesses simultaneously simultaneously working like 60 ish hours a week and being married and nursing and doing all these things. Right. So trying to live up to the expectations of other people, uh, was a huge part at people pleasing and perfectionism of my storyline, but fitness being a part of my storyline since I was little, I was a gymnast starting at age three and my parents were really heavily into fitness. And so I remember like coming home from college and, and being asked to step on a scale and it 
wasn't like necessarily in a negative perspective, but thinking back on it, I'm like, that's terrible. (laughs) I would never do that to my daughter. Right. And then I remember walking in when I just quit competitive gymnastics, I was 14 years old, same time frame that I was uh, walking out young life and, and coming to know who Jesus was. And my Nana who was very exterior driven said it looked like I gained a few pounds. And I remember just like taking that in so heavy uh, and feeling like I'm a teenage girl already dealing with enough from teenage boys. Right. And here I am from somebody who's supposed to love me no matter what feeling that sense of imperfection. And so move forward into college where everyone else was gaining the freshman 15. I was losing 15 pounds uh, because I was walking everywhere, but also I was in this really dark state of depression. I was sleeping almost around the clock. Meanwhile, none of my friends knew this. My boyfriend didn't know this. And I was just clenching to any sense of control. And I've always felt like fitness was something I could control. If I could go to the gym this duration, or if I could um, be this specific gene size, then that meant I was closer to that idea idea of the model in the magazine. And I struggled when I was little with um, pornography and cyber sex. And that was rooted and stemmed from um, a sexual encounter that happened when I was three with somebody who had a mental illness, who was older than me and kind of quieted me into that situation um, to the point where he was literally putting his hand over my mouth. And I felt such guilt and shame. And so it really played out in such a magnitude of a way throughout my life. And fitness was the thing that I felt like I had to have in order to be loved by the opposite sex. And when I came into like motherhood and your body is not your own and, and even being a wife at the time, like I just didn't feel confident. I didn't understand who I was. I was seeking for attention in all the wrong ways. And um, it was through fitness that God actually restored my understanding of my body being utilized as a vessel and not a piece or a, um, a service or anything in that regard. So I've really found that fitness is an outlet for my well-being. It's an outlet of prayer. It's an outlet of if I'm trying to focus on something or have a breakthrough with God, it's a conversation time for me. Um, And it's really just utilized now as a way to endure the huge vision that I feel like God has placed on my life. And in order to steward my calling, and I believe this is for everyone, no matter your calling, we have to have that sense of endurance and that sense of strength. And and I can understand it most tangibly from my physical being. I love that so much. And there's a few things that you said that I really want to hit on. Um, and the first one being when you got home and was it your grandmother that told you to step on a scale? That's uh, it was actually my father at the time. Oh, your um, father. My Nana was the one who first like kind of brought that into me when I you had gained competitive gymnastics. That, yeah. yeah. So that's so relatable because... It it may not be as direct for everyone, but I know like when I was younger and even now people still make comments about my weight because I'm super slim. Like I genetically, I can't gain weight very easily at all. Like I can eat all day long, mass gainer, workout, whole nine yards. It's just not happening. My body's not going to grow like that. So I've always had that negative image in my head of like that I've had to overcome and still struggle to overcome daily. And there's been a very weird stereotype that guys don't struggle with body image like that. Um, But it's also funny that in Hollywood, you're seeing like all these huge muscular dudes and nobody else. Like, I mean, it's almost like you compare 
um, Chris Evans at the beginning of Captain America to the end, like yeah. they show him really yeah. skinny and then like a big bulky dude. And it's like, not every guy is going to be like that. And yeah. even you mentioned pornography, which there was a huge win um, for the anti-trafficking movement today. Um, a very popular porn website, I think it's the most popular in the world, um, took down millions of videos from unverified users because there's actually rape in there. Um, and three of the major card distributors, like people that um, accept payments, I think it was a MasterCard, Visa, and Amex, or don't quote me on that. Yeah. Three of the largest took their cards off. Like they can't be used on that website and it needs to happen because even for myself, um, growing up, pornography was a huge issue for me. And Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh, you don't talk about that. Now people are proud of it. Like, Oh, I'm just going to go home and watch porn. Um, I don't need to wait till I'm married to have sex. I'm just going to do what I need to do and go on. And it used to be this taboo thing, but now people are proud of it. And I feel like that's digging a a hole that's not being talked about still. And it's like depression breeds with isolation. If you're replacing yeah. love with what you're seeing on that screen and you're yeah. letting the dopamine levels come from the fake intimacy that you're viewing on a screen, yeah, it is setting you up for failure. But with all that being said, where, where do we even start with the faith community on this? Um, yeah. for you as a female that struggled with pornography growing up, me as a male, I feel like this would be a good thing to hit on. Like, where do we need to address this? And especially from a mother's perspective, um, yeah. how do parents be addressing this? Yeah, I think it's a, a evolving process as technology and our phones and all of those things become more easily accessible. For me, I, it was when I was so young that like phones and computers and all of that wasn't even around yet. And so it was literally like old school Playboy, right? And, no, so like, it's and like, I always had access to a mobile device just yeah. because like my generation grew up with it. Right. Right. So now, yeah, I mean, now my kids do have access to that. And so it's really important one for us to communicate about it. I think more than anything, um, because it has been such a hushed factor. Like I never had like a birds and the bees conversation. So I had had this, you know, insurmountable, sad, um, kind of, well, now I view it as disgusting, but situation that had occurred when I was so little that nobody even knew existed. And therefore that shame and guilt that comes along with our body image starts very, very young. And so it's important for me as a mom, I have um, specific books that are Christian based books that address from age three to six, from seven to 10, from 10 to 15. My kids are only six and seven. So I'm in this in-between section. And really it's just about us having open conversations about, you know, what is, what is your body? What is it called? What is every piece called to your body? What is saying no look like? What is protecting your body look like? What does intimacy look like? Um, all of these conversations that I never even, I never even had until I was in a therapist's office with my husband. And so imagine what that process is like unpacking this understanding of intimacy with the person that you've exchanged vows with forevermore. And I don't even feel comfortable in a bedroom. Right. And so it's really critical. And I I have teenage nieces who I just want so deeply to impart 
the fact that every single person that you come in contact with, whether you're holding your hand, their hand or you're ex- exchanging some sort of intercourse sex of any sort with, there's an imprint that happens. And that imprint goes to your marriage bed one day. And it is so hard to remove an imprint once it's done. It like setting something in a concrete stone, right? And so this is why God as a covenant doesn't want us to have interactions like this outside of our marriage because it breaks the understanding of intimacy. It breaks the understanding of a personal value and self-worth. And then you're unable to give all of yourself to the person that was made to receive all of yourself. God invented sex. Sex is not wrong. It's a matter of the viewpoint of when it's supposed to be appropriate and how it's supposed to be used and how we approach what that looks like from male and female, because pornography provides this crazy skewed experience that is so MTV circa 1990. It's just not real. It's not the way that it happens. And it's not, I don't believe how God intended for us to experience it. So there's so many different conversations and and ways to look at it and ways to approach it. But ultimately, I think it's a conversation. It's just opening your mouth about things that feel taboo, things that feel inappropriate, things that you only think about or you only see. And so I'd be curious what that was like for you and, and where you're at in that. Yeah, it comes down to I struggle with it a lot in even elementary school, then middle school, like very young age. Um, And then even like through high school, some like on and off, I'd be like, oh, I'm doing good here. Then I didn't. And I'm like, it's like a nonstop battle. But when I got to thinking about one day being married and I don't want to carry that baggage into a marriage, that's when I really started to hammer down on it and break free from it. And even now, like, um, I have good friends that are married and they're like, you know, that temptation never goes away. You just have to keep combating it. And if you keep viewing it, like when you're dating and into an engagement, like what makes you think just because you're able to have sex freely, um, when you get married, it's going to go away. It's not, it's always going to be there and it's going to follow you. So the quicker you can cut it off, the quicker you're free from it. And I think there's a lot of really cool resources now. I know there's a 3X Church or X3, something like that, um, where you could put software on your computer and your phone to have someone watch it as an accountability partner. I used that in high school when I was getting um, through that season. But now more than ever, it's so important to have these discussions, especially since they're in the limelight, almost as much as the president-elect and the president are right now, you see this happened with the porn industry today and this happened and this happened. And you have so many amazing advocates out there like Annie LaBear with Hookers for Jesus and even Victor Marks and so many amazing people like standing up and saying, this is not okay. And most recently, and probably the loudest, you've got um, Terry Crews who played on Everybody Hates Chris and he was on White Chicks. He's uh, the bigger black dude that had the scene in the movie my favorite where he's like making my way downtown walking fast like, <laughs> awesome, like yes. the best part of the whole movie so shout out to terry on that but uh, so good on a serious note like he's really tackled it like he's going after it and then ashton kutcher is working with end it movement and so many amazing organizations and has his own um people are going hard and heavy over this they're starting to see that this is an actual issue and even years ago, I don't know the date on it, but 
Playboy stopped releasing nudes in their magazines and turned it into a fashion magazine because people have free access to it on their devices at all times. So what's the point in trying to sell it? They had to reevaluate it. So now that it's so openly free, what's, in your opinion, what's the right way as a mother to guard your child from that? Because my mom and dad put firewalls up, but Trevor was just a little too sneaky and knew how to get around all that. It just (laughs) wasn't going to work. So as a mother in 2021, how do you feel like you guard your children from that the correct way? Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult conversation. And luckily my kids are still really little, but I think that that's why it's the most important thing to start having conversations about it now. Um, and, and really getting curious as their curiosity grows, because I can't possibly be in their brain or be in the experiences that they're having on a consistent basis. Cause it's so drastically different than my storyline because I didn't have access like they do. Um, I'm not having conversations about sex or all of that. When I was in elementary school, I didn't comprehend it yet. It was in my field of view. And so it's really recognizing things even like Netflix or even like common era Disney and the things that people think are funny or appropriate. I, we, I say we, because my husband and I are huge advocates of this together are not okay with this normalcy. And therefore it's a safeguarding of everything that we do and realizing that just because it's on the kids Netflix doesn't mean that it's appropriate. And so we've just adjusted to pure flicks, which sounds so holy, but it is like so much better for our children. And like, I don't find myself constantly having to explain something that I don't think that they're even ready to hear. And this is totally inappropriate to be talking to a dude like this, but I have to share because I hope that you have female listeners, but I was sitting in bed. It's that, it's that time of the month. I'm sitting next to both of my kids. We're watching a Christmas movie and I stand up to go to the bathroom and there was a mishap on my behalf for my menstrual cycle all over the bed. Mind you, my kids are six and seven. Trevor, I'm sorry that you're even listening to this and it's very bizarre, but I'm out. I had to share. <laughs> it's prevalent. No. And so my, my kids are like, what is going on? Like, they don't understand what's happening. And I'm like, well, this is kind of like something like God gives us as women. My daughter's eyes are about to bulge out of her head. And my son yells, is that coming out of your butt? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so I'm in the bathroom, like processing, processing, processing. What do I say? How do I do this? You guys, we don't have the answers to these huge questions. We're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to have a way of expressing it. And so it's so important for us to, just like we armor up with the word of the Lord, we need to armor up with this conversation because if we just wait until an oops situation happens, you now look like you don't know and therefore Trust is almost betrayed in that situation. They needed me to be open. They needed me to say, this is something that we are gifted with as women. And one day you're going to experience it. And their eyes are bulging out of their head, but it's truth. And so I think ultimately that's our responsibility is what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is in good character. All of the fruits of the spirit are something that have to be infused in this conversation all the time at an early, early age. Yeah. And real people, real topics and real stories. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. like, and this is so good because most of our, my listeners are female. So it's, it's really interesting. Cause that's something I never would have been able to take notes on. So like, <laughs> I, true. I, it would have just been weird. So the, that fact that we get to have you 
come and talk about things that are beneficial to them. And even guys need to hear this stuff. Like it could be uncomfortable at times if you choose to let it be uncomfortable, but if you're willing to have a real conversation and open yourself up to understanding that, you know, bodies work in different ways. Like if somebody farted in public, like everybody's still going to laugh. Like everybody (laughs) does it, but for some reason it's still funny when someone else does it. It's so, I, it's just so odd to me that we still have those conversations as adults. Like, I guess fart noises are just always going to be funny. (laughs) And sometimes when you have to explain to your kids why you had your period on the bed, it's like, it happens and it is what it is. And I want to hint back to your story. Um, When it comes to you as not only a businesswoman and a woman of faith, like, what did your story look like growing up? Were you always interested in business? Were there hidden passions that you thought you wanted to pursue trial and error? What would you, what would you classify as your story? Yeah. Well, I have had a mic in my hand for a very long time and it's not because I can sing. So I'm not going to give you an example of that. Oh, but come on. I was in, no, I'll do it. Sometimes I break out on song on my own podcast, but I'll hold that off for you. I just told a period <laughs> story. Okay. That, that gives enough. a great segue to send everybody to the link in the description to check yes. out Tamara's podcast just to hear so her. So good. Thank you so much. So in elementary school, I was on, I would be on TV commercials sometimes. I was always involved in student government. And so I remember specifically running for SCA president, my fourth grade going into fifth grade year. And I had the entire school stand up and do the Macarena with me. So that was fun. Yes, it was so good. To this day, I still rock it out. Um, I was on through student government and speaking in front of assemblies for all through high school, uh, on into college. And I, I knew that I was good at speaking. I knew from an entrepreneurship perspective, I loved like event planning. I loved stewarding a team. I loved going after a mission collectively with people. Uh, and it wasn't until business school that I didn't even know I was going to go into business school. It was actually my freshman year in college. I had, was undecided. And I went to the counselor's office to try and figure out what the heck am I here for? Also in that dark season that I had mentioned. And so I needed to find purpose. So they did a bunch of like, uh, personality testing, uh, all the ones you could imagine beyond just personality, like career testing. And the top three of every single result was business management. So I was like, "Hmm, okay, that sounds fun. I think I could do that. So it was business management with like a focus in marketing, a passion in that side of it. But management was what I decided to do. And my senior year while working alongside six other people, we had to devise like a full on business plan that got accepted into a business plan competition. And we got top two in our university, which was really awesome. It's one of the top business schools, JMU, go Dukes, um, in the, in the nation. And so we, um, when we were approached saying that, like, we didn't win, but somebody should do this. It was an idea around maternity, around pregnancy. The guys were like, I'm out. And the other two girls were finance driven. (laughs) And so I was like, yeah, let's do this. And my mom was the one who originally originated the idea because she ran a daycare and preschool in her home since I was little. So she's been running that business for 34 years. So I've seen entrepreneurship emulated. And then for her and I to always just kind of brainstorm and, and dreamcast together, I decided never to like design a resume, never went to a job fair and went right out of school knowing that I was going to eventually own my own business. So I did personal training and nutrition coaching goes back to the fitness realm. Um, we did beauty in the beach on the side of the boot camp of uh-huh. the ocean front in Virginia <laughs> beach was really fun. And then we started belly casting, which is a really interesting, it was, um, 
taking casting material and formulating a pregnant woman's body. And then we would sand it and design it to her nursery. And so it would hang inside as a replica of her stomach after her child was long gone. Um, Interesting, but really fun and popular. And it led into a boutique. Um, And in that boutique experience, I was seven months pregnant when we opened and I got presented a couple years in with uh, an investor from Australia who was looking to bring his company, his nursing bra line to be specific to America. So I got to redesign a nursing bra and bring that to life in um, the American market. And that was really where my dead end happened because that's when those two stories collide, which I mentioned was my grasping uh, the American dream, success, finances, and putting aside what I know now and what I should have known then, but didn't my first ministry, which is my home. Um, So that's my entrepreneurial journey in as I stepped into releasing those two uh, companies, which was very, very difficult. I held that title of CEO like so close to home because I held titles since I was little, since being president of the elementary school, since being president of the middle school, since running for president of the high school, like all of those things really matter to me from um, an achievement driven look at my daughter experience. And my parents were only proud of me. I would be doing the exact same thing when my kids get any sort of recognition. But at the same time, I am really uh, prominent about just showcasing who they are as being good enough and enough in general and worthy of love and worthy of representation and celebration, despite any sort of recognition or title. And so as I finally released those, I stepped into understanding who God sees me as and the title of being a daughter and what that looked like in the church and what that looked like in my home. And really for the first time, accepting being a wife and being a mom and being okay, being just those things, but having a deep rooted passion that there was more that I wanted to give and knowing it was going to come out through entrepreneurship. I just didn't know what that looked like. So it was serving other people in coffee conversations about how to bring their dreams to life. That really led me to an aha moment of I'm already doing what I meant to do. I just didn't have a name for it. And I love that it didn't take a title for me to step into it, that God was just like, I'm going to serve you up a plate. And you can do with it what you will. So I I love doing what I do. And um, it's been quite a journey. And the hardship is what makes the goodness so much sweeter. Oh, I love that so much. And it's so funny that you were FCA president and did all the pep rallies and all that, because that's what I did. I did. um, (laughs) I would MC all the school pep rallies. And you know, when you would be out there like going wild and giving everything and everybody's just staring at you. Whenever people are like, what's your most embarrassing thing? And I'm like, well, you see, I was doing this high school pep rally in my senior year. And the one before I had like the Atlanta news station come down and we had like a huge one at the new football field and there was music and everybody went nuts, but the news wasn't there this time. And I tried to duplicate what we did. So played the same music was like, we're just going to roll off that. Nothing, nothing (laughs) at all. Like absolutely zip people staring, like looking into my soul. And I'm just standing there, like still doing everything. The cheerleaders are doing their thing, you know, trying to get everybody pumped up. They're just staring at me. And I'm just like, "Eh," like, and I'll never forget. The principal came up and she's like, you good? And I'm like, yes, I'm glad we got to get this out of the way now because 
It's just high school. Like, yeah, oh, don't count social circle. So it it's so ironic that you started in that way. You went to business school. You found your success, and you had you didn't have to give it up, but you did to find more success. Mm, um, I relate so much with finding the quote unquote American dream and finding myself more depressed than ever. Owned a house, new car, all that junk that I I call it a blessing because like it set me up for to be able to own a house now, but the job that I had was just that it was a job. Like I was, I loved it, but I wasn't passionate about it. I was obsessed with it because I just wanted to keep going up and up and up and up. And I got really far at a really young age. And I was like, this isn't for me. One day I was like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I didn't know what was next, but we're going to do it. Let's get it. Like I had to make it happen and God helped me make it happen. And for so many people that are maybe even still in high school, young adult in college, they have these dreams and these visions and things that they want to do. And they're like, I could never do that. And I was on the phone with one of my best friends today. And he's like, I just want to remind you that earlier this year, you called me and asked me to keep you accountable on launching a podcast this year. Here we are with over 32 episodes released since we launched on May 21st. And it's like, I didn't need the accountability. I needed to actually make it happen. Like if you're going to go out, like go all out, like get the equipment, get the cover art built, make it, present it the way you want it to be perceived. Like um, there's so many artists that are like, you know, I, our band was getting national recognition, but we weren't it yet. So how could we make ourselves appear as we were it that way we can get on those stages. Um, and they got pyro and like, that was the game changer for them. I'm not going to name the band because I'm pretty sure he wouldn't want me to share that. Um, but like, if you want to be this person and you feel like God's calling you to do something big, start doing it big, but don't get cocky about it. Just do it. Like (laughs) have that thing in your mind. Like, okay, like, okay, God, like, you want me to do that? I'll do it. And I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm going to put the financial investment. I'm going to invest the time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. How do you come in line with people like that as a coach? Like, do they have the ideas or do you help break that out of them? Is it like they bring you an egg that just needs to be put in the incubator or are you the whole nine yards, like from beginning to end? How does it work? I think it, people come in all different stages, which is probably my most favorite thing about it is I get to kind of be in that storyline with them all the way through. Uh, I've had people who have just literally come and sat in the presence of other coaching for almost six months to a year before they ever even said, I have an idea. And they just wanted to be in the presence of other people who were doing positive things with a positive mission, with a healthy mindset and pursuing a better version of themselves. Then there are people who are like, I have this idea and I have no idea how to bring it to fruition. And so then it's more of like the systemizing and like, what do you need to do? And what do you do first? And creating that that business plan for them to actually step into it. Um, But realizing that everyone's dream starts totally different. Everyone's... um, uh, formation of it is is completely different. And so while I have, you know, systems and strategies, it's still every day is different with every single client. 
which is why I love it. I love change. I love adrenaline. I love a problem. I'm trying to create the solution. Um, but really, it's that ultimate factor of, of letting them put that toe out of the boat letting them get the sense of, of stability because that's what creating strategy and systems and actually knowing where this dream could go. And then slowly like getting out of the boat. And I've had many people say that I'm the type of person who just pushes you out of the airplane. And I always correct them. So I'm like, yes, I want to push you out. I want you to get out there because you're not going to die. You're going to get out, but I will, ar- I'm going to arm you up with the right parachute, right? I'm going to have checked through the, the pack of parachute before I put it on your back And so recognizing that it feels like a lot and it can feel really scary. But once you're standing on the water, as long as I am, my job has been done to keep your eyes fixated on the most important thing, which has nothing to do with those systems, has nothing to do with those strategies. Just ultimately that your calling is aligned with who is calling you out of the boat. Cause I'm not going to be there as your coach It's you and him on this walk. And what you do next is only contingent on what he does in your life next and you saying yes to that calling, to that prompting to come forward, come forward, try this, try that. And realizing that we will fail. We will fall short. We will keep like the squirrels will go by, the shiny lights will happen and we'll want to do what everybody else is doing. Maybe the good thing is the podcast. Maybe it's not the right thing for you. And so realizing where those storylines come in for Trevor and I so similar. So it kind of makes total sense where other people might be fitting the podcast in because they think it's the right thing to do. And yet they're not passionate about it. The only thing that's kept me going this long is because I absolutely love it. The quality time is incredible. I feel so filled after I do it. I get to talk about God. I get to talk with people around the world. Like it's, there's so many gifts in it where I also coach people how to do work or how to do podcasts. And some people are like, I hate to talk. I'm like, what are you doing here? Why are you, what are you doing? Like, why? That's so random. Like write a blog, like right. right. not everybody's going to be the next Joe Rogan. Right, 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 right. And, and it's okay to step out of your comfort zone, but don't do it at the expense of your calling. Mm. You have gifts that are already given, like look within that zone of genius, look within that zone of excellence. It doesn't mean you stay in a comfort zone because that's also not where God works and operates. He operates out on the stormy water. And so it's just a matter of realizing it's always going to be different. And your storyline towards entrepreneurship, towards alignment to circle us back to mental health, even towards intimacy with your husband, intimacy with your future wife, like it looks different for every single person. But you said it earlier when you were talking about like laying the pornography to the side and setting a goal. And so it's ultimately what it comes from. It's, it's, connecting with the heart of the father, knowing what is good, knowing what is noble, knowing what is true, knowing what is righteous and good and kind and love and noteworthy and walking towards that and realizing that it's not always perfect and success looks different for everyone. And so my version of health and wealth and wholeness might be totally different than yours. And that's okay. Yeah. And you said it earlier, like sometimes success is not going to look at all what you would think it would be some people are like i want a bugatti and nine bands of hundreds and uh for anyone wondering what nine bands of hundreds is it would be nine stacks of like i think either a hundred or ten i think it's a hundred hundred dollar bills trying to get that rap slang out there you know 
but it. it's it, it doesn't look like that at all yeah like most of your favorite rappers aren't as rich as they put out to say they are and the ones mm-hmm. that don't are um mm-hmm. so it looks very different it's all about how you want people to look at you mm-hmm. but if you're putting your success and your hope and finances and fame and fortune and everything in between like i hate to break it to you but you'll get there and it's not going to satisfy you at all so to close out how would you bring up the fact to someone that maybe is struggling with wanting to start a business wanting to pursue their ideas but they have the wrong goal in mind Mm -hmm. and i will go as far to say the wrong goal because there is 100 Mm percent such thing as a wrong goal in life how would you approach that with someone that you just met, meaning someone listening to this podcast right now, if they have the wrong goal in mind, how would you explain to them that it's time to switch the vision and pursue Jesus? Mm, so good. And I think I mentioned it at the beginning, but it's kind of twisted toward this understanding of, of entrepreneurship or business is look at the goal, analyze the goal, put the goal in front of yourself in the mirror and think about, is this a horizontal desire or is this a vertical opportunity? And ultimately, I the, the horizontal thing is exhausting. The horizontal thing is never enough. The horizontal thing is because somebody else has an expectation over you or you have an expectation over yourself that was never intended for you to grab hold of, where a vertical opportunity feels invigorating. It feels like your energy never depletes from it. There is ultimate joy that comes alongside it. And you know, when you put your head down every single night, that there is a joy factor from your heavenly father looking down on you. And I know when I came into understanding who I was as a daughter, I have never felt more at peace with myself than I did in my entire life because I never felt like I went to sleep worthy until I understood the love that he has for me. That's enduring and the same exact love that's for you. I love that so much. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find fit and faith podcast, wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. And we're even going to have a link in the description that you can so easily just click, go give her a review, go tell people how much you love her and help her grow her podcast be looking out for her book in the future and Tamara just thank you so much for joining us today it was such an honor to have you on the show and I I know for a fact this is going to bless so many people so thank you my pleasure thanks so so much Trevor I love what you're doing keep pursuing him and keep serving the world I love it thank you so much and we'll talk to you guys next week Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.